Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin online worship service. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Chris Jimerson, Minister for Program Development at the church, and I welcome each of you. I especially want to welcome you if you're new to the church. If you have the capability in the program you're in and feel the desire to do so, please say hello in the Facebook comments and let us know from where you are watching the service. As some of you know, I've been out for a while for vacation and study time. I highly recommend it. I missed being with you all, though. And I miss being able to gather in person, as I know so many of you do also. Still, I'm grateful that we can be together virtually and in spirit. Unitarian Universalists come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. Let us connect those divine sparks now, either by posting a greeting to one another in the Facebook comments, or simply by sensing the heartstring connections that exist between us. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship is from white American author E.B. White, best known for Charlotte's Web. He writes, I arise in the morning torn between a desire to improve or save the world and a desire to enjoy or savor the world. This makes it hard to plan the day. One of the things that helps keep us bound together as a religious community, even when we can't be together in person, is having a common purpose. And for First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, that common purpose is our mission. We put it on our wall in our sanctuary and we say it together every Sunday. Let's do so now. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. If you want to know more about what we mean by beloved community, please visit the Martin Luther King Center at kingcenter.org. Each week, especially for those of us who identify as white, We have been doing a moment for Beloved Community to help us deepen our understanding of Beloved Community and the challenges we face in helping to build it. It helps us to consider how people who are oppressed may experience the world very differently. I'd like to start our moment for Beloved Community today with a short video clip. Heads up that it may be somewhat difficult to watch for many of us. is an unconstitutional, unlawful taking of public Please do not approach me with the scissors. You don't like it? Please do not approach me with the scissors. I'm not chasing you, you dumb sheep. Go to the hospital. Tell them to put you on a ventilator. They'll kill you with a ventilator like they're doing thousands of others. Don't you dare shut this part. We paid for this park. You don't get to take our property. We paid for it, you little negres. 
Go back to wherever the hell you came from. Wow. Stop trying to steal the property we paid for. Go back to wherever you came from. This is our property. You don't get to take it. Ma'am, you need to stop taking the stuff these signs down. You want this? Place them over your scissors and yourself in the park. Okay. The man we hear but do not see in that video is from Colombia but has naturalized in the U.S. He says that he felt threatened by those scissors she was holding and that he endured her racist, unhinged rant. He said later that this was not the first time he had experienced a racist tirade, nor did he think it would be the last. What must it be like to feel like you have to be on guard against such attacks almost all of the time when in public spaces? Let's think about that and how we can contribute to creating more justice, more love, to dismantle racism both within ourselves and in our world. Good morning. Next week is Water Communion, and I hope you'll all be sending in pictures of water that's meaningful and special to you. The water behind me is meaningful and special to me, not only for its beauty, but also because my neighborhood draws water from this lake, and that's the water that comes out of my faucets in my house. So I'm very grateful for it. I'm very grateful for the people who work hard to keep it clean. Today's story is by an indigenous author and illustrator, and they talk about what water means to their people and what their people have done to protect it so that we can think about how we can help them in their fight to protect water on our planet. We are Water Protectors by Carol Lindstrom, illustrated by Michaela Goad. Water is the first medicine, Nokomis told me. We come from water. It nourished us inside our mother's body as it nourishes us here on Mother Earth. Water is sacred, she said. We stand with our songs and our drums. We are still here. The river's rhythm runs through my veins, runs through my people's veins. My people talk of a black snake that will destroy the land. Spoil the water, poison plants and animals wreck everything in its path. When my people first spoke of the black snake, they foretold that it wouldn't come for many, many years. Now the black snake is here. Its venom burns the land, courses through the water, making it unfit to drink. Take courage. I must keep the black snake away from my village's water. I must rally my people together. To stand for the water, to stand for the land, to stand as one against the black snake. We stand with our songs and our drums. We are still here. It will not be easy. We fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. The winged ones, the crawling ones, the four-legged, the two-legged, the plants, trees, rivers, lake the earth. We are all related. Tears like waterfalls stream down, tracks down my face, tracks down my people's faces. Water has its own spirit, Nokomis told me. Water is alive. Water remembers our ancestors who came before us, she said. 
We stand with our songs and our drums. We are still here. We are stewards of the earth. Our spirits have not been broken. We are water protectors. We stand. The black snake is in for the fight of its life. Sylvia Borstein is an American author, meditation teacher, and self-described faithful Jew and passionate Buddhist. In her book, Don't Just Do Something, Sit There, she writes, Equanimity doesn't mean keeping things even. It is the capacity to return to balance in the midst of an alert, responsive life. I don't want to be constantly calm. The cultural context I grew up in and the relational life I live both call for passionate, engaged response. I laugh and I cry, and I'm glad that I do. What I value is the capacity to be balanced between times. I invite you now into a time of centering, a time of breathing deeply, in and out, in and out. And as we breathe deeply, let us feel the heartstrings that keep us connected with one another as we transform virtual space into spiritual community. Breathe in, breathe out. Now we follow our breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater calmness, a place of greater harmony, a place within us where that spark of the divine dwells. We'll have a few moments of music during which I invite you to continue meditative breathing and, if you wish, to light a candle representing joys, sorrows, remembrances, hopes. If you are not where you can light an actual candle, you can light a virtual candle at gratefulness.org. you eat salads and go to the gym. Some days you eat cupcakes and refuse to put on pants. It's called balance. That's a social media meme by a very spiritual and wise woman named Rita O. Jackson. I loved it when our senior minister Meg sent it to me because I think that in a humorous way it so perfectly illustrates one of the seeming paradoxes of our topic today. 
Today we're talking about finding balance, equanimity, harmony in life. Sometimes, though, we have to go through feeling out of sorts, experience difficult emotions in order to grow and find even greater life balance. I'll come back to this later, but I think I would be remiss if in examining balance I was not to begin by exploring the social unrest, the struggles for justice, and the state-sanctioned violence being directed at those rising up to demand justice that are happening in our country right now. Justice is often represented, symbolized by Lady Justice, who is holding up the scales of equity. This image is rooted in ancient Egyptian, Greek, and later Roman goddesses, who all carried out concepts associated with justice. It's interesting that our ancient ancestors seemed to think that females would best embody the balance of justice. Today... Today, in the United States, those scales of justice are greatly imbalanced. They're imbalanced related to gender, gender identity, class, race, sexual orientation, and so, so much more. One side of the scale is heavily weighted to those who enjoy privilege, power, wealth, and other resources. The other side of the scale is swinging haphazardly in the air because there are too many folks for whom oppression affords them far less justice, far less privilege, far less access to power, wealth, and other resources. We have folks that own more than one mansion, yachts, expensive cars in the dozens, many of which they rarely, if ever, drive. Do folks really need all of that when in the meantime we have people losing their housing, unable to provide the necessities of life for their families, unable to access health care when their loved ones get sick? All of this, all of this greatly exasperated by the pandemic, while the U.S. Senate does nothing to keep their aid going. But perhaps the scales of justice are out of equilibrium no more, nowhere more greatly than in the systemic racism that pervades the very institutions of our society in particular, protests have arisen over law enforcement's use of lethal force against black, brown, and Native American people. In response to these demonstrations, the police have often inflicted violence against mostly peaceful protesters. They've labeled the protest as riots, even though much of the violence has, in fact, been committed by white supremacists who infiltrate the protest and initiate violence and other acts of destruction. And even, even if that's not always the case, as my colleague Misha Sanders recently wrote, it's sad that the police shot that man, but that doesn't excuse burning things down. <laughs> Stop right there. How about this instead? It's sad that things are burning down, but the police should not have shot that man. There. That's better. 
most recently, we have witnessed the police shooting of Jacob Blake after some kind of domestic disturbance. They shot him seven times in the back as he was trying to get into the driver's side of his SUV while his three small children were in that SUV. He's currently paralyzed from the waist down and fighting for his life, yet the police have him handcuffed to his hospital bed. We don't know all the facts yet. Some reports claim that Blake may have had a knife. Still, how? How can that possibly justify shooting him in the back seven times in front of his children? Funny how we never seem to hear about police shooting a white person in the back, or for that matter, kneeling on their neck until they suffocate. Now, of course, some folks would claim that this is because of bias in the news reporting. No, the statistics are not biased. The statistics tell us we don't hear about police shooting a white person, even if that white person did have a knife, because the police so rarely, if ever, do so with white folks. They use de-escalation techniques instead. And so we have to ask ourselves, why? Why aren't they using these same de-escalation techniques why are the police so often instead using lethal force against our black, brown, and Native American citizens? The scales of justice are out of balance. Lady Justice is weeping. So, to build the beloved community, we must struggle to right these imbalances. And to sustain that struggle, I believe, I believe, requires us to try to seek harmony in our own lives also. Creating balance may mean we have to both savor and save the world. And finding such balance is also a part of our own well-being and life satisfaction. I recently, recently posted on Facebook asking, where are you finding balance in life these days? Here's a summary of many of the responses. Getting outside, enjoying nature, gardening, hikes, walks, observing beauty, community, relationships, family, friends, loved ones, fellow church members. Working out, water aerobics, various other forms of exercise. Reading, learning new concepts and skills, listening to music, the arts. Meditation, yoga, tai chi, daily mindfulness. <laughs> Stopping for rests, taking naps. Giving oneself projects. Clearing out living spaces of that that is no longer needed. Setting up new routines to replace those we lost when the pandemic hit. Notice how many of these could be thought of as spiritual practices. Now, in all fairness, some of the Facebook comments ran in a very different direction as epitomized by the following. Balance? What balance? I'm an anxious ball of ever-evolving existential crisis. And I'm no longer sure what balance means. Truthfully, I'd be much better balanced with a haircut. And I love this one. 
I go lie down in the garden. You can't fall off. It smells complicated. The bugs are good company. Sometimes I even lie face up. Several other folks mentioned a feeling of being on a seesaw or roller coaster, experiencing ups and downs, feelings of trying to do too much and then feeling like not doing enough, uh, tipping too hard in one direction and then too hard in the other. These folks expressed a sense of only glimpsing balance in mid-swing of the seesawing. And I think this is vitally important, too. Especially during challenging times such as these, we will have moments, days, or weeks, we'll feel out of balance at times. That's only natural. How can parents trying to decide what to do about their children's education while often also trying to work, maintain a home, and find some moment for self-care not feel out of sorts sometimes. The thing is, we're often sold this mirage of balancing, meaning that we always feel calm, collected, and serene. Some days, though, we need to eat cupcakes and refuse to put on pants. And yet, yet, Life can seem imbalanced when we experience feelings like discomfort about facing uncertainty, sorrow at witnessing so many lives lost, anger over the proliferation of injustices. I wonder, though, if these emotions might sometimes also have potential for causing growth, a new, richer sense of balance. Now, this is certainly not always the case. We have to acknowledge that in some instances, things are just bad. Sometimes, though, sometimes discomfort can lead to transformation. And I think, especially during difficult times, we can also feel really imbalanced when we judge ourselves too harshly, set unrealistic expectations for ourselves. I suspect this may be especially true among Unitarian Universalists. I know it is among me, myself, and I. To counter this, I turn to my favorite social work professor and author, Renee Brown. Brown encourages us to realize that other folks are doing the best they can with the tools that they have. Maybe we can extend that same graciousness to ourselves. We are enough. We, each of us, are doing the best we can with the tools that we have. And we can still try to expand our toolkit while still offering ourselves that grace along the way. Well, there's so much more I'd love to say about balance, but in the interest of leaving you time to balance the activities of your day, I'll close by returning to those Facebook comments about finding balance through community, relationship, loved ones. I think that applies very deeply with our church community. 
we can help each other know harmony. My beloveds, we are sacred companions on a holy journey together as we seek to know and co-create the divine. offering to support this church and keep it going through these challenging times. If you scroll upward on Facebook or open a new window and go to austinuu.org, you will see an online giving link. That will take you to our secure online contributions page. On that page, you'll see a drop-down box where you can choose to make a plate contribution. You can also use the drop-down box to designate a contribution towards your 2020 pledge or your capital campaign pledge. You can also mail contributions to the church at 4700 Grover Avenue, Austin, Texas, 78756. We are gratefully checking the mail several times each week. One of the ways that you can get involved in balancing those scales of justice is to help with our current UU the Vote project, which is writing nonpartisan get-out-the-vote postcards for Reclaim Our Voice, a people of color-led group. We're focusing on bilingual citizens purged from voter rolls, but you don't have to be bilingual to participate. 
Contact Social Action at austinuu.org for more information. Our benediction today is from words by the good folks at Soul Matters who provide us with the spiritual topics and supporting information that we're exploring each month. It's titled, Sharing What We've Found. Having found stillness, may we share peace. Having received connection, may we reach out to others. Having heard the call of our deepest self, may we live in greater alignment. Having returned to our center, may we expand the circle of love. I wish you peace. Amen and blessed be. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.